It's the Monday Wrap with my dad, Pastor Mark. Well, hello everyone, this is Pastor Mark and you're joining me on the Monday Wrap for Sunday, October 24th, 2021 in a message I entitled, The House That Christ Built, based on Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Let's read that passage. There the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. In himself, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You know, I'm a baseball fan. Talked about that in church on Sunday. And I think about the story of Yankee Stadium, old Yankee Stadium. It was called the house that Ruth built. And the reason was because on opening day of the new park on April 18th, 1923, Babe Ruth hit a home run against the Boston Red Sox. And it was a sports writer, Fred Leib, who wrote a column of the same name. And the name stuck, the house that Ruth built. You know, when you think about this event in sports history, it's such an extraordinary event at a crucial time. And then you got this opening day of a new stadium, a great baseball player in Babe Ruth, the most exciting event in baseball, which is a home run. And you've got this home run hit against an arch rival. One couldn't have written a story any better. All of these things converged to make something memorable happen. But that's just baseball, isn't it? It's just a game. An even more remarkable convergence happened in the person and work of Jesus Christ, didn't it? You had Mary, a young average girl, Joseph, a hardworking but average carpenter, uh, some lowly shepherds, some traveling merchants, a little town named Bethlehem, and then you had 12 men and a couple of women who were largely outcasts who followed uh, this man, this prophet, uh, a weak Roman governor, a released murderer, uh, two criminals sentenced to death on the cross, and you had the literal son of God come in the flesh then you had the incarnation but all of these things came together for an amazing convergence who would who would write a story like this I mean really who would write it but it has arguably arguably become the most famous story in human history the God of the universe condescended to the earth in human flesh to meet the most unlikely people and lead the most unlikely revolution of thought and spiritual awakening to lead a rebirth it's truly the greatest story ever told to steal from George Stevens' famous 1965 movie. 
So as Paul penned his letter to the Ephesian church, he most definitely had this greatest of stories in mind. He was thinking about this remarkable convergence of events. Indeed, he starts off by looking back at the history of these Gentile believers, their history before convergence. He says in verses 11 and 12, So then remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision. That's the people of Israel. A physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You know, Paul's reminding the people in Ephesus and certainly all Gentiles and all believers today that they were at one time lost and without hope. I told the story of my life of being without hope and direction and and having no purpose and being uncircumcised of heart. And most of us, right, if not all of us, have a similar story. In our histories, individual and collective, there is always a point of lostness, of not knowing, of waywardness. But glory be to God, Paul continues in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us he has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to god in one body through the cross thus putting to death that hostility through it so he came and proclaimed peace to you far off and peace to you who were near for through him both of us have access in one spirit to the father so then You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God. Do you hear, folks? Do you hear what Paul is saying? Those who were once strangers have become known. Those who were once aliens have become citizens. Those who were once far off have come near. Those who were once divided from others have been reconciled. Those who were once in turmoil have found peace. Those who were once lost have been found. What a beautiful story of redemption. Because of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, Paul is saying that the world has changed, that things have been made new, that the old is out, it's defunct. There's a new way of being, a new way of thinking, and a new way of purpose. I talked in church about my life of redemption when I accepted Christ, how things changed, how my purpose changed, how I had peace, my my wandering ended, and my life began. You see, when Christ comes into our lives, The old spiritual building is torn down and the new spiritual building is erected. We go from living in a house that we built to the house that Christ built. And it's in this house that Paul talks about in verses, uh, it's in this, about this house that Paul talks about in verses 20 through 22. He says in verse 20 that the house is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. That's to say that it's the house that will not fall. I talked about cornerstones being the most important stone in a building, that it sets the course for the other stones, and if it's oriented correctly, it makes sure that the other stones are set properly on the foundation. And of course, he also talks in here about the foundation, right? And foundations are important because they are what the rest of the building rests upon. They carry the weight of the building. So what's Paul saying here? First, he's telling us that the house that Christ built rests on the work of the great men and women of faith who've gone on before us, who've, who've carried uh, the burden and have lived out faith and now serve as the foundation upon which we model our lives of ministry. We stand on the shoulders of giants. 
But secondly, more importantly, he's telling us that the house that Christ built is laid out true and correct because the cornerstone, the most important rock in the building, is Christ himself. We can rest assured that the house that Christ built is quality is a quality structure because Christ himself is the most important piece of the building, the first stone in the superstructure. This is why Paul continues in verse 21, in him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. But you might ask, what's this whole structure to which Paul refers? Who are the other stones in the superstructure? Well, quite simply, those stones are you and me, folks. Paul says in verse 22, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. Notice two things here. First, as I've already noted, we are the stones. We are what make up the holy temple. But secondly, I want you to notice something that that can escape our attention if we're not careful. This holy temple, which is made up of us, the stones, is called the dwelling place of God. Do you realize this? As the people of God, we make up the building stones in the house that Christ built. We are the construction materials in the house, and Christ lives in this house. He dwells inside of us, and his love, grace, and mercy live through us as his workers of faith. You see, the house that Christ built is his house, but it is our house as well because we are part of it. Christ is the cornerstone, and we are the stones. We work with Christ to make the house what it is. The house that Ruth built was one of the most important sports locations of the 20th century. Sports history was made there year after year in this most sacred of baseball stadiums. The greats played there. Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Lou Gehrig, Yogi Berra, Joe DiMaggio, Don Mattingly, Dave Winfield, Reggie Jackson, and the latest one being Derek Jeter, right? When we think of the house that Ruth built, these are the people we think about. But I submit to you today that we need to think about someone else. The Yankee fan, the countless little boys and girls who went to the stadium every Sunday to see their favorite Yankee play, the hardworking blue-collar worker that scrimped to save enough money to buy his ticket to the big show, the young ladies who peeked over the rails to see their darlings of SWAT demonstrate the greatest of athletic prowess, the New York visitors who came, uh, who sat on the edges of their seats week after week as they cheered America's team to victory. My point is that the house that Ruth built was not just about the great players, It was also about the millions of fans who gave their hearts to the team. Indeed, because of their dedication, the Yankee fan is a member of the Yankee team. It's the same with us when it comes to the house that Christ built. It's his house, but we are its makeup. We are its loyal and dedicated fans. Folks, this should motivate us to serve God. It should motivate us to, uh, to live our lives for him because we're part of it, right? We're not just on the outside looking in. We're on the inside looking out. We're insiders. We're members of the team. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we ready to play ball? Christ is the cornerstone. Those greats of our faith who've gone on before us, they're the foundation. But we, folks, we are the whole structure. We are the superstructure. We are what people see. We're the part of the building that if we make it upright, if we use our spiritual gifts and we do what we're called to do as the people of God, and we build that superstructure through our community of faith and church life, God dwells with us. And if he dwells with us, what can't we do? Well, folks, I hope this rap has been helpful. I hope that it 
uh, gives you something to chew on this week. And I hope that in some small way, it revolutionizes your life, that it turns you around. You are part of the holy temple of God, the dwelling place of God. What we do matters, folks. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless. Join us next week for the Monday Wrap with my dad.